Hi, what's happening? Welcome into Sports Betting Daily. Thanks for joining us on a Monday. Today is the 16th, January 16th, 2023. MLK Day. Happy MLK Day. Happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Uh, it's awesome on a uh, on a Monday. I actually knew that a lot of people had today off because my fiance uh, obviously is taking today off. But days like this for a sports better, I'm, I'm packed today. Right, we've got a lot going on. NHL, little college hoops, some uh, Australian Open tennis, mate. So uh, certainly a lot going on. But whatever you're doing, whether you're relaxing, enjoying the day, making some bets, hopefully it's a nice. Uh, MLK Day for you. On today's show, we're going to do a few different things. We're going to recap the weekend picks like we do every Monday. Also, I'm going to read back some questions and comments that I've gotten from you, the audience. Uh, This show has been growing like crazy lately. I really appreciate it. Uh, I mean, we've gone from just a couple thousanders, you know, halfway through last year. We're up to at least 10,000 listeners a month. It's getting in like the five digit range for listeners on a monthly basis. So I really appreciate that. I have you know all of you out there to thank for sharing and coming back and all that good stuff. But uh, with the increase in listeners, we're going to get more people reaching out, more people with questions and things like that. So I directed everyone who had a question for me to today's show. I said, yeah, don't worry. Listen on the 16th. We're going to answer all your questions. And that way I can just go into things in more detail and give a little more thought to it. So we'll do that on today's show. Uh, recap the records, go over some questions. I want to start with this statistic, though. I was looking at this uh, NBA stat. This is wild. So LeBron and Russell Westbrook are two of the three worst shooters in the NBA in terms of three-point percentage. I think LeBron is either worst or second to worst, and Russell Westbrook is right behind him. And so we're talking, again, two of the three, just, just take out every advanced statistic you want. They're two of the worst shooters, if not two, the two worst shooters this year statistically in the league. So you may say, okay, they're not shooting that much. It's, it's probably small sample size. That's wrong. LeBron and Russell Westbrook are combining for almost 11 three-point attempts per game. That is wild to me. Now, I know it's a different era. There's a lot more three-pointers, obviously. But when it's this horrendous, you don't expect that to keep going on. I mean, they just keep chucking it no matter what happens. We've all played with that person before, right? At the YMCA or the gym. Every time they get it, you know it's going up. You know they're chucking it. That's LeBron this year. And I know we're all focused on the scoring title and and that stuff, but this is atrocious. That needs to be talked about more. My God. Russell and LeBron shooting horrible, and they just keep on putting it up. Good 11, 11 a game from those two. That's horrible. All right, anyway, I want to start off with that. I thought that was pretty, uh, pretty wild stuff there. Uh, let's get to our weekend record. Weekend picks like we do every Monday. Recap the weekend. We went 3-2 and two on the weekend total. Uh, let's see. On Friday, part of the uh, deep dive handicap, we gave out the New York Giants plus three. That ended up coming in. On Saturday, we gave out Bowling Green, uh, Bowling Green minus two in college basketball, and the Dallas Stars in the NHL. Both of those lost. We gave out the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Cincinnati Bengals in a two-team teaser. That ended up coming in. We actually needed the points with Cincinnati yesterday, but uh, Jacksonville since he came in, so two or excuse me. One and two on Saturday, one and oh on Friday, and then with our only game on a Sunday that we hadn't given out, over 139, uh, over 139 in USF and ECU, that ended up coming in as well. So three and two total on the weekend. Uh, that's good for a 53.45 break even percentage because we had three bets at minus 110, one bet at minus 120. 
in one bet at minus 125. Obviously, a three and two record, 60%, well over that. So it was a profitable weekend for all of us who followed those bets. Hopefully, you had a nice weekend yourself. Hopefully, you jumped on those and we can all cash together. On the year, Sports Betting Daily is eight and six with our public picks. I'm not sure if I fully recap the first weekend we gave out uh, picks. The very first weekend of 2023, uh, on Saturday, we went two and one. And then that Sunday, we went one and three, all of more hockey picks. So three and four the first weekend. And then we went two and oh in the national championship. We had Georgia first half and Georgia for the game. So that's five and four heading into this last weekend, three and two there for an eight and six total in 2023 so far. Not too bad. Hopefully all of you have been picking it. And uh, if you've been listening, you know that we you know, did very well in 2022. Hopefully 2023 is just a continuation of that. All right, before we get to some questions and comments that you, the listeners, had, I want to thank Better Edge. Better Edge allows everyone out there to bet vig free, a.k.a. win more money. And uh, some of the questions center around, how can I improve my handicapping? How can I make more money? The first thing I would recommend everyone do is sign up at Better Edge. The reason is, if you get rid of the VIG, it doesn't matter whether it's me picking games or my dog picking games. Both of us will improve our bottom line simply by getting rid of the minus 110. Check them out online, betteredge.com. Put in promo code SBD when you sign up, and that promo code is going to get you a free $20 upon sign up. Betteredge.com, promo code SBD. All right, so let's get to it. We've got, let's see here, one, two, three. We got five. We got five messages to respond to all on Twitter. Uh, some of these were sent to me. Some of these were sent to the show. If you'd like to follow the show, you can do that at SBD underscore POD, or you can follow me directly at Tyler Walgie. That's Tyler W-A-L-J-E. All right. So let's start off with this one. Just kind of go in chronological order here. Uh, and by the way, I'm kind of narrowing this down. I'm not going to read the entire message from everyone, just the meat and potatoes, what we need. All right. This first one, uh, I do an NBA picks contest every year with my friends. What's the best way to beat them? Can I get an edge? Oh, interesting question. <laughs> so this person isn't even betting money. They just want to beat their friends at something. That's okay. Well, we can help with that stuff too on here. Um, NBA pick contests are interesting. Now, you say you're doing it with your friends. I would first ask how many of your friends are in this. Is it five people? Is it 10 people? Is it 50 people? The, the, the more people, the more amount of luck that's going to be involved no matter what. So just, just remember that. If you get a betting contest like the Super Contest at Circuit Sports or the Westgate where you have thousands or even tens of thousands of people enter, luck becomes one of the main driving factors because the law of large numbers doesn't just think someone's going to have an amazing percentage. We know. The more people there are, it's more and more likely someone's going to have like a 63%, 65% year in the NFL or even NBA. So based on that, the more people, the more luck you're going to have to win. That's just as simple as I can be for any contest. But if it's with your friends, maybe 5, 10 people, luck's not as much of a, a factor, here's what you need to do. In an NBA contest, you need to do as well as you can for the first about 75% of the season. It's up to you. The picks are yours. There's not a whole lot that I can offer in terms of advice, short of my own picks, right, to win a contest or at least be in the contest through the first three-fourths of the year. But once we get to the 75% mark, I can help. Here's how. If you're in a contest and you're close to the top or you've got a shot to win, what you can now start to employ is what they call game theory. 
and game theory doesn't just incorporate what's going on in this in this example with your basketball picks, but it also incorporates what the people you're competing with will be doing themselves. Let's use an example. If the uh, if the Milwaukee Bucks are hosting the Houston Rockets, a lot of people out there aren't price sensitive. It doesn't matter whether Milwaukee's minus eight, minus nine, minus eleven. A lot of people are going to take Milwaukee. Why? Because Milwaukee's good and Houston sucks. So based on that knowledge, we can assume if that's a game and your friends have taken you know the Bucks a lot, maybe we can identify that being a game your friends would take. So if you think that the other side offers any value whatsoever, or it's even break-even, you should make the other side of a bet. What you're doing in game theory, and this applies a lot in these NFL contests towards the end of the year, is you're actually sacrificing a half a percent to a percent of your edge, and you're making that up in the game theory, because if they take the certain team we're projecting and that loses, our chances of winning go up exponentially. So it's not just about, at the end of any contest, what you're doing, because you have people to pass. It's about what you're doing on top of what everyone you're competing with is doing. So you got to remember game theory, but you got to get three fourths the way through the year by yourself. That I can't help you with. Once you do, employ game theory, start trying to buck the trends, and then that's how you're going to win those contests. All right, let's go to the next one. Uh, Without giving away your hard-earned techniques, do you have any particular strategies to live by? Uh, This is a really, really complex question because... For those who have been listening to this to this show now from the beginning, this is pretty much what the show is. I, every day I tell new new approaches, new concepts, new ways to approach sports, uh, sports betting that's going to make the average better out there more profitable. But to answer this question, yeah, I can give a couple things in terms of strategies or tips or notes to live by in the world of sports betting. The first one, and this is to the average person, this is to the mass public. I have friends who I went to MIT with, and I wouldn't tell them this because they know math, they get how to incorporate parlays, things like that. So this is for the 98.5% of public sports bettors out there. Don't ever make parlays or non-advantage teasers. Just don't do it. Just take it out of your arsenal right now. And I know for most of you out there, that's going to be impossible, right? Because it's just it's, it's, it's crazy to me how the public bets. I was at a family little outing over the holidays and not everyone in my like extended family knows what I do. I'm not really vocal about this. When I meet people at the bar, when I, when I, even family members who I'm not close with, I don't tell them all the time what I do. I find it to be annoying to have to explain and it always comes with a bunch of questions and everyone just wants to tell me their bets. It's, it's honestly a pain in the ass. I just usually make stuff up. So my, what would he be? He's like a second distant brother-in-law. I don't even know. But anyway, he doesn't, I don't see him often at all. And he doesn't know what I do. <laughs> and so we're just talking about sports. And he's showing me his 15-team parlay he made. And he's all, he's all stoked about it. He's all excited about it. I'm like, and I'm just thinking to myself, like, dude, what are you doing? You're throwing this away, right? This happens all the time. I, I was getting my oil changed yesterday. This happened yesterday. I, I was getting my oil changed. And I was waiting to, for it to be done. And the dude behind the counter, he's like, hey, you like sports? I didn't know if he like listened to the show or if he recognized my name. I was like, why is he trying to pry the sports betting thing right now? But I was like, yeah, yeah, I like sports. And he showed me this seven leg same game parlay he had for one of the football games yesterday. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, no wonder all these sports books are reporting 
this massively inflated household and they're all getting so much more rich than even I would have assumed. It's because people out there are making ridiculously wild parlays and wild bets like this. That shouldn't be the case. If you want to really make money, it's hysterical. Get rid of parlays. Like most people out there want to make money. If you ask the average person making these parlays, do you want to profit betting sports? I guarantee you every one of them would say, yeah, I do. It's like, but they have these horrible practices. They just keep bleeding themselves dry. So I got going on a little tangent there, but the point is just take parlays out of your arsenal. Don't even use them anymore. That's my first piece of advice. And if you're going to ask the advice here, you know, take it seriously. But a lot of people won't do that. I know they won't, but that's honestly the first thing that everyone should do to to start losing less money. Uh, The second part of that was I mentioned quickly uh, or non-advantage teasers, it's perfectly fine to make an advantage teaser. Now, what's an advantage teaser? An advantage teaser is a line that we move through both three and seven. So if we get a home underdog of plus two and a half, you can tease them up to plus eight and a half, and that's what's known as a max advantage teaser. You can do that all day in profit. Now, you're not going to win every one of them, but those are technically profitable. So I would say that's actually okay, but as long as it falls within that corridor, Stick with those. If it's outside those that corridor, don't ever make teasers either. And on that note, don't ever buy points. Don't ever make same game parlays. And you know what's funny is these are simple, easy pieces of advice that I can give to everybody out there. But just based on knowing how human beings work, I know that right now, at least eight, eight out of 10 people, at least 80% listening of the public aren't going to listen to this. They're not going to take this seriously. They're going to, this podcast is going to end. They're going to turn, they're going to, you know, close Spotify or whatever, and then go make a parlay for today. It's just, you know, I'm, I'm glad it's not my money. I just know that's how people work, but that's for sure. The first thing I would do, stop doing those, start making singles. Boring bets are the best bets. Uh, a next piece of advice would be, um, avoid handicapping the obvious stuff. And this is something that a lot of people who are getting going in sports betting do is they waste a lot of their time with nonsense that doesn't matter. And an easy way to think about it is you want to be up to date on everything that's happening, but you also have to understand that the sports market is pretty efficient and the sports market incorporates all the information that is out there. So if you notice something, right, if you're most people, like I would say 85 to 90% of the, the public doesn't handicap efficiently because they spend their time handicapping or incorporating things already baked into the line. It's not going to help if you sit down this morning and go, okay, Tampa Bay and Dallas play tonight. Let's look at the weather in Tampa Bay. What's happening there? Oh, look at the weather. It's going to be windy. Let's go. That's already incorporated in the line. That's already baked into the line. Everyone who bets knows it's going to be windy. So you on a Monday morning going, that's hey, going to be windy tonight. It's pointless work. One of my buddies who I do some sports betting stuff with I remember a couple years ago, he sent me his prep for March Madness and his prep was he had handwritten like on the front and back of several sheets of paper in tiny, tiny little writing, all of the against the spread margins and against the spread records and statistics and and all these different things for all these different uh, college basketball teams. And my point to him was like, 
dude, you just wasted four hours of your time because you could have been using that four hours handicapping, doing efficient stuff to actually help yourself. Meanwhile, you're just repeating stats that you could find on ESPN, anywhere else. You're, you're wasting your time. And I see a lot of people out there working very hard and not very smart. And I get this. I, I did this too. When I first got going, I didn't really understand how to spend a day and how, how to handicap correctly and how to efficiently work. I mean, now, at this point in my career, I can sit down and work 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. and be extraordinary. I mean, be hyper efficient all day long, you know, or I could sit down 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. and get as much done as I used to get done all day because I've understood I've understood what to get rid of and what to keep. So on that note, yes, you want to stop working yourself too much for all the stuff that doesn't matter. You still want to handicap, but stop handicapping the obvious stuff. And with that note, you want to stop betting on the obvious stuff. I mean, that's that's so huge. Something that I can't stress enough. People bet on obvious things all the time that, again, are already incorporated, uh, incorporated in the line. Now, by definition, information is the name of the game. Information is so important, but information is only useful for us as sports bettors if it impacts the line in some way that it hasn't yet. If the weather tonight in the, in the, in the Tampa Bay-Dallas game hasn't been incorporated in the line yet, then we have a bettable angle. Only when it hasn't been incorporated can we bet on something. Usually, things have been incorporated. That's why it's so tough to beat the line. If there's information out there, it's tough for us to come up with a better price because it's generally pretty accurate and pretty efficient in the first place, or at least based on a whole lot of people betting this into this. Not necessarily the opening number, but after a lot of people bet into it. So with that advice and with that, it's almost, uh, let me use this example. If... Aaron Rodgers, if the Green Bay Packers are playing the LA Chargers and Green Bay's minus two, but Aaron Rodgers is injured, a lot of people may say, yeah, I'm betting on the on LA Chargers. And I might say, how come? And they go, well, because Aaron Rodgers is hurt. Now, here's the thing. Aaron Rodgers being hurt is already incorporated in the line in this example, as it would be in the real life, in real life. So if Green Bay's minus two against the Chargers and Aaron Rodgers is out, there's a good chance Green Bay would be minus 10 with the Chargers with Aaron Rodgers in. It's already incorporated. So the line's Green Bay minus 10. Aaron Rodgers gets hurt. The line drops to two. A lot of people go, yeah, I'm betting against Green Bay. Why? Because Aaron Rodgers is hurt. We, we know he's hurt. That's why the price has been adjusted. You see what I'm saying? So I think a lot of people bet on things out there where the price has already been adjusted, but you're still betting on the angle, oblivious to the fact that there's no edge. We only has an, have an edge of sports bettors if whatever we're talking about hasn't been incorporated in the line yet. So that's a piece of advice. Stop handicapping the obvious stuff and avoid doing pointless work. Um, and then I guess my final piece of advice, but th- th- this question, you know, uh, strategies to live by is such a deep, complex question. I've got a couple of things here. You know, it, it, I could do it a whole week on this question right here. If you'd like to know more, if this individual listener, if you have more questions, please reach back out. We're always here and always glad to answer questions. But uh, my last piece of advice, I guess I would say for the average person out there would be uh, the understanding that bet size, how much we bet per game is equally as important as the handicap. I always ask people this, would you rather be nine and one where every game you bets for 10 bucks so you bet 10 bucks a game and you're nine and one. You can put on Twitter, hey, we are nine and one. Follow us. We're hot, right? Or would you rather be one and nine where every bet you made was for $10, except for the winning bet that was for a thousand bucks? 
everyone listening who knows how to do math would say they'd rather be one and nine or the one bet the one winning bet was for a thousand bucks and the, the losers were for t uh, $10, right? Because at the end of the day, you're making more money. And my whole point there is record is pretty much meaningless. What matters is bet size, money management, and how are you handling the wins and not chasing the losses? So with that, understand that once you do your handicap, once you do your homework, once you have everything kind of set and ready to go and you know who you're going to bet on, there should be just as much work to find out how much you're going to bet on. Now, I use a system called Kelly Criterion, but there's other ways to approach it. If you flat bet, if you do flat units, that's actually not a bad approach. That's a winning approach. You flat bet every game. That's a winning approach. Uh, Kelly Criterion, like I said, is a winning approach. But just know that how much you bet has a huge impact on your bottom line. The handicap can be amazing, but how much you bet is going to have equally as impact, if not more, at the end of the day on how much money you're making. So... All right, uh, let's move on. Move along, sir. Next question here. Uh, this person says, sports betting isn't legal in my state. Can I still bet? Uh, simple question here. And obviously, I would say this individual probably hasn't been betting for too long because a lot of people uh, who I know have skirted the rules for years in this situation. Uh, what I would say is legally, no. Like legally, you're not supposed to be betting. Now, there are options offshore, right? Offshore sports books. Bavada, Bookmaker, BetUS, Bet Online, right? There are offshore books, but the reality is, I'm not going to give you legal advice on here. So the answer is no, you can't legally, but there are those offshore sports books if you want to dabble, I guess. But what you can do is check out betteredge.com. I already give the read this show. They're a sponsor of the show, but I think that it's. I don't just have sponsors on the show to make money on the show. I have sponsors on the show who I think it makes sense for them to be on here because I don't want to give out any, any shithead bookies looking to rip any of you guys off. I'm going to send you somewhere where it's going to be beneficial for you to go. Better Edge, they get rid of the VIG. We already talked about that. It's, it's amazing what they can do, but they're also legal in a lot of states that don't have sports betting yet. So check out and see if Better Edge is legal where you are. And that may be a huge way for you to start betting uh, uh, legally. But besides that, I don't have a whole lot. I'm not going to give out any illegal advice here. So, uh, no, you can't bet illegally, but check out Better Edge. All right, uh, we got two here left to go. Uh, this one says, "My wife, who <laughs> oh, my wife? My wife thinks that pundits on television, ESPN, for example, are giving out bad picks, wrong sides on purpose. My buddy thinks the games are rigged. Please tell me, <laughs> please tell me, everyone who I surround myself with is crazy." Um, okay, let's start off with your wife. My wife thinks pundits on television, for example, are giving out bad picks on purpose. No, that would mean that they're kind of in cahoots with the sports books, right? They have no incentive, ESPN does, to give out bad picks. What's happening there is they are giving out bad picks. So I'll give your wife that. They're giving out bad picks. It's just not on purpose. I just don't think they're very good, right? Well, RJ Young, you want to see like what the average sports better looks like. And I hate ripping on the average person, right? But it's, it's, it's crazy to me how these people, it seems like the closer you are to a sport or the more you know about it, the more insane and wild your, your predictions and sports betting beliefs get. And I don't know why this should be, you'd think it'd be opposite, but it's like the, the people who've played in the NFL before are horrible at betting games. The people who played in the NBA before can't pick for shit. So it's like, I think these pundits and everyone who's, oh, the experts, the experts, they don't know a goddamn thing. And I'm sure they know a lot about the X's and O's. I'm sure they know a lot about football and what it's like in the locker room when you're hurt. 
Like, I'm sure they know a lot about that, but they don't know what the hell it means giving up seven on the road and whether that's a good or bad thing. So don't focus on them. I would just don't put any credit into any of those people on ESPN or whatever. If they're giving picks out, just look at it as pure entertainment, nothing more. And then the second thing, my buddy thinks the games are rigged. Uh, I don't know about that. You know, they're not rigged. Here's why. I actually do know about that. And here's how we know the games aren't rigged. If games were rigged and there were, it was nefarious stuff going on, um, well, it wouldn't matter unless there's people betting on it. And that's the only reason games would be rigged. And with regulation and sports betting comes the ability to highlight these things and red flag these things. Here's, what, here's how it normally happens. If you're going to fix a game, you're not going to fix like the Lakers bowls, right, on, on Christmas. You're going to fix uh, North Dakota State basketball on a Tuesday night. So if you go to the North Dakota State basketball team and you're trying to do all this stuff, what's going to happen is you're going to talk to them about tanking, blah, 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 okay? Well, all of a sudden, sportsbooks are going to notice because North Dakota State basketball that may average you know 10,000 bet on them every game is suddenly going to have like a million dollars bet on them. And there's going to be a red flag that goes up and they're going to go, oh, shit, something's off here. Everyone's betting on North Dakota State basketball and it's all one-sided action. So that puts up the red flag. Then they do a deeper dive. If within that game, they say, yeah, look at San Diego State or whoever I use as the example, uh, South Dakota State, boy, look at how bad they were. Out of bounds, a lot of mistakes. That's really uncharacteristic. So if they start to put a case together, that's how you can catch cheating and fixing games. It's easy to catch uh, fixing games these days. So much easier than it ever has been in the history of sports betting before. So that doesn't exist. The idea of fixing games, it's all rigged, it's all fixed. At least for the sports betting point of view, it's not. Now, I'm not discounting the idea that NBA and NFL referees and leagues like to keep things close. Maybe they do. That's not what this is about. This is about, are they fixed? And are there people betting on these games that are making money? I don't think so. So uh, yeah, I would say yes to you individual. Who you surround yourself with? Yeah, they are crazy. I agree with you. All right, finally, last one here. This is not a question. This is a statement, and I do get these sometimes. This was sent to me, obviously, a few days ago. LMAO, with about 25 O's here. LMAO, Minnesota is 13-4, and and they're winning every close game they're in. Giants will choke like they always do. Laughy face, laughy face, laughy face. So this person was just making fun of my pick before the game had happened because I took the Giants over the Minnesota Vikings. Well, look, I'm not going to take a victory lap because the game won. Because as we know, outcome is actually pretty irrelevant. What matters is the process that we take to get our handicap. And what I mean by outcome is, is irrelevant is that's that's a huge thing sports bettors don't get. We see one game, people overreact to one game we saw. Right? It's like, oh, look at that. That's the answer. People think that's the answer. And even though I was on the Giants plus three, if they replay that game 100 times, there's going to be plenty of times where Minnesota wins. There's going to be plenty of times where Minnesota blows the Giants out. But that's not what it's about. It's about overall, is this a correct line? And are they charging the correct price? That's all it comes down to. So look, for this individual, it's pretty simple. Okay, You can make fun of picks. You can make fun of anything I have. But in general... If you're making fun of my picks, I'm, I'm happy about that because I want to be going opposite from what the public thinks. But in general, it comes down to this. When I make a bet, it's very, very, very simple. Sports betting is a complex thing, right? How I get the answer is complex. But at the end of the day, it's a very, very simple proposition. What are the implied odds that are being charged in the market? And what do I think the odds should be or the true odds should be? 
If I think a team should be, let's say, 60% to win, aka minus 150, and the market is charging minus 145, I technically have a profitable bet. That is a winning bet that I could make. But if I think a team should be minus 150 and the market's charging minus 155, not minus 145, that's now not a good bet. I wouldn't make that bet because there's no edge. Really, that's what it comes down to. I don't get caught up in, oh, this team's good, this team sucks. Well, what about the road, the home, the this, the that, the injuries, the coaching staff? All of that is incorporated in everything I use to get my line. I'm a computer programmer. I'm a data scientist. I, I, I pull APIs. I do a whole lot of work on the outside. I trust my final number. So when I do all of this work and it tells me the Calgary Flames should be minus 120 and the market has them minus 140, I say, shit, we're not betting on Calgary. That's expensive. But if I think Calgary should be minus 120 and they're plus 110, now that's a substantial bet. That's all this comes down to. So why did I pick the Giants over Minnesota? It didn't have to do with the line matchups. It didn't have to do with, you know, look, there are certain things in a handicap, right? Kirk Cousins playing, coaching staff, schematics. There's all that, of course, that we can talk about. But really, and a lot of people don't want to hear this, but the reality of what I do sometimes comes down to a half of a percent edge. What do we have? What is the market charging? That's it. So, all right, that does it for today's show. Appreciate everyone listening. Good luck, whatever you have going on today or tonight. Happy MLK Day. We'll talk to you tomorrow right here on Sports Betting Daily.